Good morning. How are you all? And thank you so much for being here. Do you trust him like that little child wrote in the song, or in that uh, uh, note that they wrote to us? Do you trust him? Well, this is what today is really all about. We've kind of come to a little, oh, I don't know, would you say, I would say maybe a crossroad, maybe a little time of catch our breath in this place in the book of Revelation. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the sixth chapter. We were there last week. We're going to be in the seventh chapter a little bit today. But I have a, a little special treat for us today. Uh, uh, the Lord has, I should say. And, and that is to kind of contemplate what does, what does this place in Scripture mean to us. As we kind of take a step back a little bit. Look and see what our Lord is doing in the midst of this tremendously terrible time on earth. We saw in the sixth chapter that there was, um, there was terror and destruction upon the earth like at no other time on the face of this earth. It, it, we saw that there was a quarter of the people who were killed. Uh, uh, it, it just was uh, the worst and worst and worst of times as uh, as uh, as the seals fell from heaven itself and and consumed this this planet so we were looking at chapter 6 at a very unprecedented de- disaster of what has taken place on the earth there was constant fear you can only imagine what it must have been like just this slaughter people after people after people dying all of this terror lies ahead of this planet Earth. This is, this is the time that is called the, the Great Tribulation. Now, if what we are studying is true, if in fact the church has been raptured, we are there, what about those people on this earth? What happens to, to them? And, and let's say that we are in these times. It, it appears that we are close to these times, but... I've never really got off on, on, on trying to figure out when it is when the Lord's going to come back. I always assume it, it, it's, it's His business. He'll come back when He come, wants to come back. And it could be thousands of years from now. But He also asks us to look around and to see the times. And, and what is happening on this earth in which we live. These are, these are really teren- just terrible times in which we are now living. And, and who knows what's, what's lying ahead of us. But this is the great tribulation we are looking at in chapter 6. It is a time when Satan was loosed. And, and it is a time just before our Lord is going to come back to take the earth back from Satan and give it back renewed to those of us who are his forever family. That action is all symbolized, as we saw last week, by the enrolling of the seven sealed scrolls. After these seals... Uh, it'll become even more intense, if you can imagine. There will soon come the trumpet judgment, the bowl judgment. And so it led the people who are on earth, if you remember back with me, I want to I reflect upon something with you. Look back at chapter 6, and, and look back on, on verse 17. The people cried out in despair, The great day of the wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Well, the answer is no one. That is, no one unless you are willing to come to Christ as He desires you to come to Him and to worship Him. Well, today we're going to answer that 
We're going to see the answer to that. We're going to see why is it the Lord stops all of this for a moment in time, seals 144,000 of uh, men of the, of the 12 tribes of, of Israel who come upon the earth to evangelize the earth. Why? Why does the Lord stop and do all of this? Well, today God shows us a song that uh, Eddie and, and, and the, the ladies sang and, and, and the instrumentalists played for us. Uh, better is one day in his court than a thousand elsewhere. Amazing grace, how, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like us. You see, God never leaves a sincere cry for help unanswered. It's just not a part of his nature. What is it that, that makes you, what makes us cry out to God for help? What is it that you're going through that, that you, you feel needs his assistance? Maybe it's something only small or, or it is something great. He's always there. He's listening. He's ready to respond. The question is, will we turn to him? Remember what happened to those on the earth at that time? Look at verses 15 and 16 of chapter 6. It said, The kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich, the strong, every slave, every free person, hid themselves in the caves. They hid themselves among the rocks of the mountains. And then in verse 16, they said to the mountain and to the rocks, Fall on us. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. In other words, they turned to anything. Uh, rocks, mountains, uh, the world's ways. Instead of turning to their only hope. In their despair, they, they turned away from God rather than to Him. Where are your despairs turning you? <clears throat> when I was thinking this through, um, I have here at this church a hero. I want you to know that. Um, I've never mentioned it to you before. Someone that I really love a lot. He comes to church on Saturday night. Most of you don't get to see him often. He worked in the tech booth. It was some months ago that uh, we went to visit. Actually, I think, Cherry, we went to visit you, and then we went over to see Louis Penino. And both places we went to try to go and to pray for people we loved, they encouraged us. But walking into Louis Penino's uh, room at the hospital was what an experience. Pastor Fred, were you with me? And, and Pastor Bill, was it? And Mickey, you went? It was something, wasn't it? Yeah. So all this week, while I was studying and thinking about <clears throat> what is happening on this earth, in the despair of these people, loved ones that you and I, let's say we are in this time. Let's say sometime this week we were raptured. What about our family? What about our loved ones that don't know the Lord? What happens to them? Well, the, core, the Lord wants to encourage us greatly. It, 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 it enables you and me to really go out and to reach out to our family, our loved ones, and at least to let them know what might happen, as foolish as it might make us look. Well, as I was thinking through all of this, I, I couldn't get 
Louis out of my mind. I really couldn't. And I, I, I called him and I asked, I said, Louis, would you be willing to share with the congregation what it is you are going through? I know that's an awful thing to ask. And especially from a man that, that loves being private. And at first he said no. And I said, I understand completely. I do. And I hung up and this is a true story. I, I said to my wife, I said, darn, Louis just didn't feel like he could do it. He said, she said, but he calls you back. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. It sounded like it was no. And sure enough, 15, 20 minutes later, I forget. He called, said, I'd love to do it. Talked to Carol, my wife, and uh, I'd love to speak to you. So I'm going to ask Louis to come on up. And for those of you that don't know him, I want you to know him. I want you to meet him. I want you to know him. He is my hero in a lot of ways. I know you don't like that, do you? No. no. I never told you that. Let's start by telling the people, what, where, is, where is your situation? What, what are you dealing with at this point in time as far as your health is concerned? Uh, I have uh, stage four terminal lung cancer, so I'll definitely be meeting the Lord soon. And, uh, you know, at this point, if there's any strength that I have, if, if the Lord is, is it making this easier, I have to say thank you because Jesus has come alongside of me and uh, there's, there's not been much pain. There's been so much reassurance from him that he'll be there when I step across. Your attitude has been amazing. Um... Most of us would consider this to be very distressful news. I don't. How, I really how, don't. How have you remained joyful through Yeah, that? I would have to say that I have so much peace over what's about to happen. I mean, okay, I've got a few months maybe. But I know what's going to happen. I know that the moment I leave this earth, I'm going to step across into his arms. And I have just tremendous assurance of that. I think that if you stay in the word you'll know that Jesus Christ is right there with you every step of the way. And so your family and your, the church family been helpful? Oh, very much so. I can't get over the amount of love and affection and reassurance and support that has been poured out on me from people that I didn't know, even knew who I was. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I guess in your private moments, what is it that, that sustains you the most, if, if there is such a thing? Oh, there's no question about it. It's the Lord. It's, it's the Holy Spirit who has stepped aside me. I've been saying it ever since I first found out I had cancer. That's okay. The Lord got something for me to do. Let's do it. And I've just had that assurance ever since then. I know he won't be leaving me either. No. You're like that, that young person that wrote in that note. Can you trust him? Oh, you, you can trust him. He will never, ever move away from you. It's usually us that step away from him. Man, I love you so much. Let's pray for uh, Louis, for Carol, his family. Father, um, this was not easy for Louis uh, just to be here both last night and tonight, and uh, today I should say, and then to do this and then wanting to be in the background, not really caring about attention. Um, I, I, I thank you father that that he saw fit to allow his testimony to encourage those of us that might need this right now 
I, I pray for Louis. Father, um, we've not given enough hope that you might heal him. We have not. We, we believe if it be according to your will that you would touch his body, take all the cancer away, and make him just as healthy as could be. And, uh, and Father, I think uh, I can speak for Louis and Carol and the family. That's, that's their, their, their earnest prayer. And yet, Father, I, I would assume that they would say, not their will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll allow you to care for Louis be, for what is best because you love him more than all of us. Um, and that's saying a lot, Father. <laughs> bless, bless Louis, bless Carol and the family, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, exactly. Louis. I love you more than life itself. I wish I could go with you. We'll see I, each other again. I know. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. I hope that, um, that you'll see by the end of this message um, why I felt that the Lord was saying, this is a, a time you ought to speak with Louis. I don't think by any stretch of imagination that you know, this is uh, the last week he's going to be with us or anything like that. Uh, I just felt like this message needed to be, needed to be, um, have an exclamation point put to it. Something that, that I maybe couldn't do on my own. Um, I would ask you to please turn with me now in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. I want you to remember what has taken place up to this point. That, that there is nothing but chaos on this earth. Our loved ones, our friends, some people who attend church regularly are going to be left behind because they've not really placed their faith and trust in Christ. And we are living in perilous times. We are living in times where there is compromise of our faith all over the place. I'm sick and I am tired of it. I'm sick and I am tired of it. I'm hearing from pastor friends of mine that churches upon churches upon churches are watering down the message, kind of making it more palatable for the people, make you feel a little more comfortable with yourself. And I'm afraid that we're going to leave people behind that we should have warned more clearly. And I wanted you to hear from Louis. And so what our Lord does in the midst of this terrible time, he, he stops everything, almost like stops it, dead in its track. And he evangelizes the world. Watch. This is, this is some chapter, folks. This is some chapter. We're just going to read the first four verses because we're just going to overview it. We'll get into it next week. I just want to... I want to talk to you about your faith, our faith. John writes in chapter 7, verse 1, After this, after what he had just seen in chapter 6, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. He says, do not harm the earth 
or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Verse 4 tells us, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Verses 5 through 8 tells us the tribes, and there are 12,000 from 12 tribes, which equals 144,000 sealed men of God to be placed on this earth to evangelize those who do not yet know the Lord. So there is hope for our loved ones. There is hope. But I don't want to wait for that. I want you and me to understand what it is that we have, the, 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 the privilege that we have of knowing Christ. And, and, and I, I want to get people who are, are through with being lackadaisical about our faith. This is not just dress rehearsal. This isn't just, oh, we come to church, oh well. No, this is our lives. As Louis would tell us and has told us, he trusts his Lord because the songs that we sing, when, when Louis sings, better is one day, he gets it. When he has sings of amazing grace, he, I'm sure those words mean more to him now than ever before. I want that to be your and my testimony today. I want us to live this, this day as if it were our last as well. And every day that the Lord gives us from this day forward to live it for Him and for His glory. Because as I'm going to read to you in a moment, there are those that are trying to take away the very power of our God. I will show you. Let's pray. Father, please open up our hearts. Please, Father, move me as far aside as possible. Allow this message to touch each of our hearts where it needs to be. Father, please, let us, let us rid ourselves of any of this, this foolishness of our faith that takes it and, and, and uses it almost like it's a toy. Let us be serious about our belief in you and our trust in you. and As serious as, as Louis has the privilege of doing right now, you have given him a great privilege. And that is that he knows that his time is near. But all of us, we're all in that same place. We just don't know it. May we hold our faith as 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 preciously as Louis does. I pray, Father, it is critical. Please, allow me to message, make this message something that would be from your heart, not mine. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, Revelation chapter 7 is going to show you and me God's amazing grace. In the midst of this terrible, terrible time on earth, we see the grace of God being poured out upon all who are willing to come to Him. We saw those who were unwilling, wanted to be hid by the, by the mountains, by the caves, by the rocks, anything. Keep us, they say, from the very presence of an Almighty God. And so what does God do? He, through His grace upon them, anoints 144,000 
Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel to go into the earth to proclaim the gospel. Listen, God will always give people an opportunity to repent. When they yelled out in, 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 in the 17th verse, who is able to stand? He's going to send to them people who will say, you can't stand on your own. You must come to Christ. Remember last week? Remember in chapter 6? Look at verses 9, 10, and 11 with me again. Refresh your memory. This is going to be kind of a time for us to just take a breath or two and think. What are we reading? What are we studying? What does this mean? I want to get as practical with you as I possibly can. In chapter 6, verse 9, it said, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, Underneath, John saw, underneath the altar, he saw the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Now, these are people who had now come to Christ and were slain because of their faith. It's going to be a very difficult time for, people's to, for people to believe in Christ during this, the great tribulation. And so John sees them there underneath the altar with the Lord and they, look what they cry out. This is really critical. Look at it. They cry out with a loud voice to the Lord saying, O Lord, holy and true, how long will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? The Lord said to them in verse 11, giving them each a white robe, he says that they would rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants, in other words, those who are still on the earth, who will be evangelized by these 144,000 God-sealed Jews, they will rest until that number of their fellow servants their brethren who were to be killed just as they were would be completed. Note something here. Note how God is still in control. Even though it looks chaotic, it looks like he doesn't or isn't. Same in your life. Same if, if Louis were to turn away from, he would not see the very control that God still has over his life, which he sees. He gets it. He gets it. He sees what God is doing in the midst of what is a terrible time. He understands the grace of God. He sees it and he runs to God rather than from him. God's still in control even of the numbers who will die during and in the great tribulation. But more, what I want you to note is it seems though... At this time, the time of God's grace seems to be drawing near an end. How do I conclude that? Look, what are we told to do about our enemies? Pray for them. Ask for their what? If they've hurt us, Father, forgive them. Right? What do these people ask for? Do they say, Father, forgive those who harmed us on earth? No. They say, how long, O oh God, holy and true, will you keep from avenging our blood. They are asking for vengeance, not forgiveness. 
You see, the time is fast approaching when the God of this universe is going to judge his enemies. And he will take his rightful place as our King of kings, Lord of lords, in both heaven and earth. And so the time of, of his coming is very close. And so he sends his, his servants, these 144,000 bond-sealed men, to evangelize the world, to give every single person who is still here a chance, which makes my heart happy. Happy for those in my family. If this is truly the time where we will go to be raptured, that we will be taken off this earth, those who I love, my family members, those who do not know the Lord, will have an opportunity. They'll see that I'm gone. And they'll come maybe to trust in Christ. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord God wishes for no one to perish. He wishes for all of us to come to repentance. And so Jesus is going to give these fellow servants, as they're called, their brethren of those who are at the altar with the Lord in heaven itself, he will give those people now on earth the same opportunity that they had to come to him. And he sends sealed servants of his. I want that to be critical in your thinking. Paul says these words. I would love to say that I wish they, I think they're mine. As close as I can be to them, they're mine. He says, I am not, and this is in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Are you? No, no, why should we be? He says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who would believe, Jew as well as Gentile. Now I want you to know something extremely important. I want you to think this through with me. 144,000 Jews, 12,000 each from 12, all 12 of the tribes of Israel. He, he anoints them and God puts them on the earth at this time during the tribulation. Think about that for a moment. John says, during this time, the tribulation, look at chapter 7, look at verse 9. He says in chapter 7 and verse 9, after these things, in other words, after he anointed these 144,000, thousand evangelists. After these things, he says, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every tongue. In other words, our Lord gives salvation to everyone on this earth who would believe, Jew and Gentile alike. They are all, as it says, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes, just as, if we are correct, and the church has been raptured, we are in white robes. They too will be in white robes, just as we are. They will be in heaven. That's not why I've told you that. These folks, too many for John to count, are now in heaven itself, just like the church. They are saved from the grasp of hell by 144, 
thousand Jewish evangelists. Think with me for a moment. Think now. Do you hear people say there are many ways to heaven? There are many opportunities to, to gather together and to go and to have this higher calling. If that be true, if there is many ways to God, then going through His Son, Jesus Christ, then why did God have to bother to send 144,000 bonded, sealed, spirit-filled Jewish men into all the world to save people everywhere. What does it say? People from every nation. People from every tribe. From, from, every, from every tongue. From every people on this earth. Listen, if it wasn't so important, then why not have people simply come to, to God through their way, whatever their way is. It seems logical to me that God allows us to see, but there is but one way to Him. One way. All roads do not lead to heaven. God makes this clear by the 144,000 sealed Jews that He sends to evangelize the world, who go into every nation, who go into every tribe, who go into every people and every tongue, so that everyone would get an opportunity to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think that through. How critically important that must have been to God. Here's what upset me. Here's what threw me into a funk. I got an email from Pastor Fred. He said, have you heard what has happened to this, this Christian organization. And I said no. And I read the email and I, I wrote him back. And I said, Fred, let's verify this. Because I don't like what it says. It goes along with what's happening in this world in which we live. It goes along with what's happening in churches across these United States that are watering down the gospel. And pastors who are afraid to tell the people the truth. Listen to this. I will read it verbatim. I've cut out a few of the things that are very not, that are not critical. It comes from a, a press release by Campus Crusade for Christ. Most of you, I guess, have heard of Campus Crusade for Christ. It's been around for a long time. Here's the press release. One of the nation's most prominent Christian ministries has decided to take Jesus Christ out of its name. It's a move that has generated cries of political correctness from within the evangelistic community. Campus Crusade for Christ International announced this week that it'll change its name, the name of its operations to CRU, C-R-U, in the year 2012. The vice president for Campus Crusade for Christ said, we felt like our name was getting in the way of accomplishing our mission. Really? The vice president said that he found that 9% of Christians, through a research that they did, and 20% of non-Christians were inaliated or alienated by the name Christ. These are my words. 9% Christians? 20% non-Christians? I've, I've hacked off a lot more than 9% Christians. 
in my life because I won't compromise to preach the gospel? 20% non-believers? I'm, I think I'm somewhere up to 90. What must they be thinking? I'll be darned, I wrote to myself, to you to hear, if I'll let those hypocrites and those uninformed folks alter my love for Jesus Christ and his name. No, I'll let them be upset with me, that 9%, that 20%, and try to do my best to keep my love for the Lord and his love for me 100%. And I'm wondering, are you not in the same boat? Am I... Am I strange in this world in which we live? Is the name of Jesus Christ, am I too hardcore for you? I don't know. It, 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 I don't think that I am. I, I can't believe that anyone would want to think that the name of Christ would get in the way of accomplishing what we want to do. Would you, Louis, thank you. Would you, Louis, give up the name of Christ? No. I mean, is he, a, is he a hindrance to you in any way, shape, or form? It says when Bill Bright, who started the organization, told his wife back in the 70s and 80s, he said they were looking for making a change. And, and the vice president now, who's in charge, said that we're changing the name because... Our name is becoming more and more of a hindrance overseas. Really? The name Jesus Christ has become a hindrance to you? And it's uh, stopping you from getting into communities? Is it really? What did they do when the Bible says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. When we were studying through the book of Revelation, when we were at the third chapter and looking at the churches, at the church that I was hoping and praying that we would emulate, the church of Philadelphia, the one that I hope, as long as the Lord gives me breath, that I will help us to become like this church, the church of Philadelphia. And when I'm long gone, that the people who follow us here will will maintain that, that attitude to the, to the church of Philadelphia. Listen to what the Lord says to them. They were one of the two of the seven churches that he complimented. He says, I, I know your deeds. He says, I know that I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power. And here's why. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name, says the Lord. I plead with you and me. May we not allow this this watering down this, I don't know how to put it, I can't think of the words, of, of our faith, to make our faith become not as important to us as it ought to be. 
We ought not to be coming less and less in love with Christ. We ought to be coming more and more in love with him. A hindrance? The Bible says that the Lord, when he opens a door, he opens a door that no one can shut. And when he shuts a door, he shuts a door that no one can open. To think that, that he, the name of Christ, would be a hindrance to do ministry boggles my mind. And it's becoming more and more a fashion across this world in which we live. Preachers are not even passionate anymore about their faith and their trust in Christ. I say to you what God says to every single person that walks the face of this earth, and that is there is no other way to heaven than through Jesus Christ. He is God's only way, his only begotten son. And, and we need to realize, and I say this cautiously, but we need to know that in our midst here at this church, we present to you God's only plan. We're not enamored by our church as much as we're enamored by our Savior. And we want you to know him. And we want you to walk with him with integrity every day of your life. And I wanted Louis to share with you how important the Lord is to him because he realizes perhaps his time is short, but so is yours, so is mine. We don't know. We don't know. And so they cry up to the Lord, who can stand? And the answer is really nobody. None of us can stand apart from our faith in Christ. In Philippians it says, Jesus Christ was, was humbled. It was Philippians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. It says he was found in appearance as a man. The reason he was a man that he, he had to go to the cross. You already know this. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For us, you and me, for this world, for this reason, Paul writes. I can only imagine what Paul would say to those people. For this reason, it says, God highly exalted Jesus Christ and bestowed upon Jesus Christ the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those who are in heaven, those who are on earth, and those who are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who amongst us should be ashamed of his name? Who amongst us should find his name a hindrance so that we don't go into our neighborhoods and our, our houses and our our places of work, to present to the people the best we can the gospel of Jesus Christ so that if in fact these are the last days, these are the days that perhaps we will get raptured, that our friends and our loved ones will get an opportunity to come to Christ. That they might be touched by those 144,000 evangelists who come not to present whatever way you want, it's okay, just be good, you can get to heaven. No, they're going to come and present to them the name of Jesus Christ. 
and that there is salvation in no other name. So I've finished about five minutes early. What I'd like to do is just dim the lights. That's it. And I'd like to have you just pray. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we offer to you nothing more but nothing less than Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. He is shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. If you ask him into your heart, he will forgive you and he will start to transform your life if you'll allow him. For the rest of us who know him, and perhaps you've been lackadaisical about your faith, perhaps you've kind of become ho-hum, Perhaps you've become a person who thinks you've got nothing but time and that you can put off the things of God to a more convenient time. I say to you, don't be fooled. Love him. Love him today as if it were your last day. For those of you here, and I think it's plenty of you, who you've, you've been that person. When we close, you might want to just thank the Lord that he has given you that desire to love him as you do. So what we're going to do now is we'll dim the lights. We're going to open the doors. You can leave after I pray, uh, just quietly if you wouldn't mind, because some might want to stay here and pray. If you want to come forward and, and kneel at the altar, that's fine. That's that doesn't get you saved. What gets you saved is your heart. You want Christ in your life, you ask him in. You don't have to be kneeling on steps. You can be seated right where you are. You ask him into your heart and you ask, you find someone of us and allow us to help you grow in your faith. We'll try and help you. And so as I close in prayer, the doors will be open. Just kind of quietly go. If someone's seated by you, just ask them quietly, excuse me, and you can go. And for those that want to stay for a, a little while, you can. Um, if you have kids to pick up, uh, don't be a little bit cognizant of that, please. Let me close in prayer. I want to tell you I love you. Louis, from the top of the lungs. You know, there's a movie I love. It's a... Uh, Dances with wolves. And there's an Indian that gets to know him. And uh, no, no, the, the guy that was the army captain. And he didn't like him at first, you know. That's never been the case with me and you. But when he was leaving, when, they, when he was leaving, he got on the top of the mountain. And he shouted for everyone to hear. He said that he was his friend. And he said that I love you. I shout for everyone to hear, I'm honored that you're my friend, and I love you. Thank you for doing this today. Father in heaven, thank you for who you are. Please, Father, I, I beg of you, touch each of our hearts so that we do not become blasé about our faith, that we do not become hypocrite or, or think that 
that your name might be a hindrance to what we do. God forbid. God forbid. Let us realize that we are nothing apart from you. We have nothing, nobody. We have nothing to stand on. All we have to do is listen to Louis. But the truth of the matter is we're all walking here with just borrowed time. None of us knows if we'll be here next week or not. And so, Father, please, let us live this day as if it were our lasts. For the sake of Christ, I pray. Amen. I love you all. You may go as you wish. Just be quiet, please. And if you want to come up or pray or stay where you are, you can pray. Thank you for being here. I love you folks more than life itself.